Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of Transforming 45. This week, I am really excited to welcome Trisha Carr to the podcast. She is a spiritual teacher, a transpersonal hypnotherapist, and an intuitive. Uh, I'm really looking forward to this conversation. I was saying to Trisha at the beginning, uh, just before we started recording, that I haven't always felt safe to really share the spiritual element of who I am. And it has always been there. It has always been a huge part of my identity. And because I lived in such an academic world, I felt uh, like that was something that I really needed to hide. So in this episode, we are going to be going all in and I cannot wait to um, feel free to have this conversation and know that it's happening in a place um, that is safe and beautiful and that I know will be healing for listeners as well. So welcome today, Trisha. Well, thank you for having me, Lisa. Thank you for having this podcast and creating a safe place for people to be who they truly are. It's beautiful. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> I feel like it is the work of sort of women who are at our stage of life is mm -hmm. breaking out of that narrative of what was and showing that there is a whole new, well, not new, there's a whole way of being that we've just never been shown. Mm -hmm. And um, I feel like that's a really important part of the work of women of our generation. I agree. I agree. And it's, uh, it's uh, a work of service, a work of love. Mm -hmm. And uh, yes, a work of authenticity. So mm, <laughs> let's yeah. go. Let's go, everyone. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> okay, so Trisha, tell me your story. How did you get to where you are today? <sighs> we always say, where to start, where to start. Um, you know, in this, the theme being transformation, transforming, that is something that is a theme in my life. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, actually, do you, do you know about human design? Have you gotten into your human design yet? I know like just the tip of the iceberg with human mm -hmm. design. I know that I am a manifester. Oh, cool. Ooh, mm -hmm. I love manifestors. The reason I'm mentioning it is because the, my, um, my sun gate, which is if it's kind of like in astrology, you know, you have your sun sign. It's the most prominent thing in your chart. And my sun gate is 36 and it's called the gate of crisis, which is like, thanks a lot. <laughs> When, when I first read it, that's what I thought. And the definition of it is that crisis is, is a necessary but non-enduring cycle. And <laughs> and so going through crisis, I mean, I, I can, it indicates that hopefully, especially as a wiser or mature or just the higher, you know, acting version of myself, I am good in crisis. That's the idea as the kind of being that I am in the garden or the flower that I am in the garden. That's how I look at things. And, uh, but then, you know, I think that just the cycles, I'm just really awake or aware during those cycles of crisis and that I learn from them very much. So um, having said that, um, I actually came into this world in a family of crisis. Mm -hmm. <laughs> my, um, my family, my family of origin, my father was very, very ill with alcoholism and rage and violence. And there was violence in my home. I had three older sisters who all left home by marriage or a pregnancy or something along those lines when they were 16 or 17. So they were escaping. And then when they were gone, my mother moved us out. Um, that's it's I'm like so glossing over the story. There was an arrest. There was like me actually witnessing my father beating my mother by myself for the first time when my sisters had always been there previously and uh, me like desperately worried about my dog as we were fleeing the home um, worrying about getting him. And anyway, um, then she she we were on our own for a year or so. Then we moved into someone else's life who um, abused me directly from mm -hmm. ages uh, uh, 11, 12. I can't remember when he actually got contact with me, but until I was 18 when I moved out. Um, and the, the abuse was was mental and emotional and controlling and narcissistic controlling abuse. Like every moment of my life was controlled and oppressed, but there was also uh, sexual abuse. And um so there's a transformation at 18 to flee that home in, you know, complex PTSD. 
And I did have that for uh, probably, I, you know, untreated, of course, because I was broke and, you know, incapable of doing very much to succeed or excel. And But I had to. And I came into a relationship in my, when I was 20, of another person who was about 14 years older than me, who was also narcissistic and controlling and really like boxed me in and cut off all of my um, contact to the outside world. I was very well groomed to fall into that. It was really, I described that as, as a cult of two because it had very much the qualities mm -hmm. of there being a cult leader and a cult follower. Um, and I was in that for seven years. Interestingly, it was, a, it was a partnership, but it was platonic, which for me was like an upgrade from the narcissist I had before. <laughs> and also I wasn't hit or anything like that or, you know. And so then I fled that again. And um, then I was on my own for a few years and did like the healing can be so rapid. So that period, even though I was still dealing with some, you know, milder, but still some PTSD. And then, and then three years after that, I met my wonderful husband and couldn't even believe that I could partner with someone so incredible. Um, all throughout that, you know, I've always had animals. My dad, even though, you know, I mentioned his unfortunate qualities, he, he was a very sensitive person and loved animals. And so did my, my favorite, my sister, my favorite sister, everybody knows she's my favorite. So I'm not hurting anyone's feelings as if they would listen to this anyway, but you know, <laughs> but we're, I'm out about the fact I have a favorite sister. And <laughs> so animals have been that family for me more than anything. And, and every stage and period of my life. I do um, connect with animals and nature for my spiritual foundation. And so that's always been there for me. And so anyway, my husband and I came together and had this beautiful relationship. We got married about nine years into our, you know, dating or it wasn't dating partnership, let's call it that. And at 10 years, we'd been married about a year, then I started to have some different thing occur, bubble up within me. So along the, that storyline, I, when I was a kid, I took myself to church. My family didn't go to church, but I took myself to church because that was the paradigm of spiritual exploration that was available. And I did have spiritual growth while I was involved in religion, but I had a spiritual experience, I would say, despite the religion or maybe the tools, some of the tools of the religion are, you know, um, universal and ancient and loving. And, and so those were serving me, but I did have to leave the church because it was not helping my spiritual growth when I was about 19. And then in my twenties, so I'm going on a parallel timeline of the same thing. I was studying teachers like Deepak Chopra and Dr. Wayne Dyer and, um, Eckhart Tolle and my, you know, like around 30, probably. And so all along I was into those kinds of, um, personal spiritual development they just made sense to me. And I actually continued to pray in the language that felt good to me, which and sometimes included Jesus. And I, I like him. <laughs> I love him. Mm -hmm. <laughs> He's one yeah. of mine, you know. But uh, yeah, then then when I was about 40, I just was, I, my life had changed, had really up leveled in a way that I never expected it to be able to as a, you know, coming from what I came from poverty and extreme abuse for, you know, the first almost for the first 27 years of my life. And so I was actually, I was actually in a career that I liked pretty well and was making money. And that was shocking to me. I really never imagined living outside of poverty ever. And I had a wonderful relationship and was married now. And then I started waking up in the morning and having these thoughts and feelings that didn't, I would be like, what is that? Why do I feel this way? What is this mood or what is this thought? And I would let it bubble up into more of a conscious thought, conscious awareness. And it was like a statement, this thought, if I let it come into a statement that just didn't match my life at all. Not like I was in denial, just like, that's just not true. I'm actually mm -hmm. excited about this day. It's like really cool. And, you know, but it kept happening and it was, I could feel the separation to these things because they didn't, even though they would show up as what, this is my feeling, but if I let it come forward, it evidentially wasn't my life that it was, that I was feeling. Mm -hmm. And so then the, I just decided on a whim. I was like, this can't be good for my health. It's, I, you know, you know, thoughts and feelings that are, that are stressful and negative are harmful to your health, create inflammation. And I've got enough to contend with, with the things that are mine. <laughs> 
Mm -hmm. <laughs> like with the real stress <laughs> and discomforts in my life. So I thought for, you know, out of health, I thought, you know what? I don't even know why I thought this. I was like, I'm going to have a reading with a psychic. I don't, I never even thought about it one way or the other. And I didn't even come up in the church wasn't saying like, beware of psychics. It just wasn't a part of the menu in any way. And so I thought, well, my mind is strong. Uh, maybe she'll just tell me a story that's nice. And I booked a 15 minute psychic reading with someone over the phone. And the first thing she told me was, oh, well, you're an empath, right? As if I knew what that meant. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I would like Counselor Troy on Star Trek. What, what is that? What, you know, <laughs> the next gen Star Trek. And um, so she was like, well, an empath feels other people's emotions and thoughts as though they are their own. And it was like before she even completed that statement, I started weeping. I started crying and I didn't I wasn't comprehending it on the conscious level of the mind yet. And so 15 minutes, talked about a few things, hung up. And then I was like, just my husband was actually playing tennis all day long. So I was just like racked with this exploration and like wanting to figure out what this meant. And um, I mean, long story short, that prompted a spiritual transformation, awakening for me. Mm -hmm. I got a I got a coach, someone who <clears throat> could help me to put that empathic nature the right way around. Because I was like, I see, I was reading things on websites where it's like, you're special and weak. You know what I mean? Like that's the basic tone mm -hmm. of it. You're broken, but <laughs> awesome. You know? Mm -hmm. And I was like, I reject that. I don't, you know, I, and I, at the point I was like, I don't know if there's God or creator, whatever I, that whatever I sense of this universal, you know, balance and ecosystem, I wasn't made wrong. Nobody's made wrong. And that was the message I got from some places. And I found this one person Whose whose little tagline? Her name is uh, Caroline von Kimenat. I always like to attribute. Um, go from suffering sponge to sensitive savant. And I was like, yes, mm. I agree. So in that coaching, I developed a meditation practice, and which I kind of had one anyway with my prayer. But you know, to have it more focused and to understand how to connect with that every single day became incredibly important. And <laughs> During our practice, too, we uncovered while we we're doing like this energy chakra work that uh, I'm an animal communicator and always have been. And after one coaching session, there was a cat that I was concerned about, a feral cat. And I went and talked to her telepathically for the first time, like with a specific intention. And what I learned from the cat, which she told me, actually ended up saving her life because I trapped her, took her to the hospital, and it saved her life. And she lived with me for eight years after that. And validated by the doctors, you got her here just in time. She was, you know, she wasn't going to make it through this. Mm -hmm. So um, anyway, then I started to open, then I'm opening up mediumship. And then I started a new business concurrent with that old career. And then it, there was about a five-year crossover of the new business and the old business. And then here I am now. Um, I've been uh, working spiritual teaching, you know, helping others to um, find what is their their spiritual passion, their, their soul mission. I really think that just like the flower in the garden has a, a code in its seed that is helping it to move through the soil and burst out into the garden with its aroma and its nutrients and the way that it does, we have whatever version of that is there is for humans. So, um, but I'm also, I'm a transpersonal hypnotherapist. So I have a degree in clinical hypnotherapy and mind body psychology. Um, so I teach such topics as mediumship and animal communication, and also just other self-help things like about developing a meditation practice, uh, your intuition, and um, also helping empaths, of course, energy healing. I teach many different things. And so there's, mm -hmm. there's some of my transformation story. <laughs> yeah. It's, thank you for being so vulnerable and so open. Mm -hmm. It's when we, when we do that, like you said at the beginning, right? It's the journey mm -hmm. of authenticity. Um, there's just, we see ourselves in each other yeah. when we allow ourselves to be that real and open. So thank you for that. Mm -hmm. And there's about 10 different conversations that I want to have that, <laughs> will, of course, weave into each other. And I think it's interesting that we're in this place of such separation and duality. And mm -hmm. specifically what I'm talking about in relation to your story is that like church versus spirituality yeah. and that they seem to be opposed to each other, which has always been such a strange 
uh, setup for me because I also, I grew up in um, the Anglican church in Canada, Mm -hmm. which is uh, Episcopal in the, in the U S. So it's a, it's a fairly open religion, Christian. And there are, I, I also no longer go to church because there are structural elements that I just can't support. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, it, opened me up to the, to the power of community. Yes, I know. Yeah. Right. That's, and I create community with all of the work that I do. Mm -hmm. And, but that is something that I really missed not being in the church for all that time. Although I would also say, you know, the, the great thing about church is that there are people there. Mm -hmm. And the problem with church is that there are people there. (laughs) Yeah, true. (laughs) But it's still, you know what I mean? Like that's the, you could say that about family. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) All of it. Yeah. Yeah. And the other thing that was so wonderful about that community was that it was intergenerational. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. So I have really lovely, fond memories and care deeply about people who I met at that time who were across the age spectrum, which was really important for me in how I connected with people because I was never just with people who were my own age, also because I'm an only child. Mm. So I was with adults a lot um, and recognizing the value of those intergenerational relationships and how much we learn from each other when we're able to be in conversation with each other in that way. Um, So community was so important as well as the ritual Yes, I love ritual is I mm-hmm. have to I have to create ritual for so we mentioned human design. I'm a reflector. Mm-hmm. So I'm very all of my centers are open. I'm very open. And if I don't create ritual or what I, you know, discipline, which discipline is actually a really beautiful word. I always reframe mm-hmm. it for my clients because we think of it as like you got a spanking or you got grounded or you're being disciplined at work. But in fact, if we really look at what discipline is, it means being a disciple. And mm-hmm. so when we're disciplined to ourselves then we're a disciple to ourselves. That's beautiful. So yes, ritual really helps us to, it actually helps us to focus the energy of consciousness and that it can be really beautiful. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Mm -hmm. absolutely. Thank you for that language around discipline. I also have found that it's a really positive structure in my life and I have Mm -hmm. lots of discipline to many different elements uh, that exist in my life. And I had always wondered where that came from. And through your reframe there, I just thought, oh, yeah. right, mm-hmm. right. All, right back at the beginning, all of that ritual that we did every every Sunday started to build that discipleship mm-hmm. in me. Mm-hmm. And even now when I go into a church, there is this um, beautiful sense of reconnection mm-hmm. and the muscle memory that comes from just like the words flow out of my mouth. I don't, even though it's been, you know, 20 years really since i religiously went to a church and those words still flow out of my mouth. I still know where to stand. I still, and all of those have such deep comforting reconnection and recentering, which is similarly why I needed to develop those rituals for myself in my daily life and daily practice as well. Yes. And uh, the, for me at least, and some people, I don't know, maybe it's not the same for everyone, but I definitely have to revisit my rituals, because also mm-hmm. I can't let the ritual become the the thing that, that that I'm a disciple to the ritual. You know what I mean? Like, and mm-hmm. I have to re, I have to reform them, and also just um, you know, the way that we operate as as uh, human beings uh, on a physical level, on a mental, emotional, and spiritual level. All of these levels, we actually hit plateaus and homeos, and we have windows of homeostasis that we become comfortable in. And homeostasis is a powerful drive. Homeostasis is weirdly even more, can be more seductively important to us than survival because it mm-hmm. is somehow believed that our homeostasis is our survival. But obviously, inside our homeostasis could be abuse like my mother or uh, bad habits. But the the way that the mind-body-spirit complex, or especially the mind-body works, is that if it hasn't killed you, then we need to keep it. You know, like just like the the reason we have to, we're relationally dependent when we're children. Obviously, we have to be in order to survive. We become, we have that still inner child who is, becomes relationally dependent even on habits. 
-hmm. And so it takes more of a higher mind to break the bonds with certain rituals or habits if they're unhealthy for us. And so I have to revisit and in order to keep pushing that homeostasis ceiling. So just recently, I completely shifted my morning practice of meditation and prayer. Uh, I, I had always gotten out of bed, taken care of my animals, and then gone to sit down to do that. And I'm now not getting out of bed. <laughs> for, mm-hmm. I'm doing it in bed, mm-hmm. which is a really ripe time to do it because we, when we come out of sleep, we're in hypnosis. When we go into sleep, come out of sleep, we're in hypnosis. And hypnosis is actually the state that we gain during uh, meditation or prayer even. Mm-hmm. you know, We disconnect from the conscious beta thinking, logical analysis reasoning in order to get into the subconscious spiritual state. And so that's been really helpful. Anyway, to the point is like ritual, discipline, ritual, is is really beautiful. We either have to sometimes abandon one or start a new one or reconfigure in order for it to keep working for us. We, we become, you know, neutralized. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, when I'm working with clients, I kind of describe it as the, like the things or the actual structures can sometimes become like the medication. Exactly. The master. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Or mm-hmm. the mask where it becomes, mm-hmm. I'm just, I'm just, I'm doing this thing, but it's not coming from a place of, knowing or understanding of why I'm doing that or mm-hmm. what the what the healing is in that anymore. It's just going through the motions. Yeah. And that reflective practice is so important of coming back to am I coming from a place of good intention that is really deeply connected to what I know that I need in this yeah. moment, in this ritual. That's really mm-hmm. important. Thank you for that. Mm, thank you too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, interestingly, I I also get up and I start with a meditation, but recently my dreams have been so mm-hmm. un, like unbearably vivid and I mm-hmm. have always been a dreamer, but in the last year or so, I would say even it's like mm-hmm gone to the next level. So before I get out of bed, I give myself about 10 or 15 minutes just to sit and process mm-hmm. where I went last night and what yeah. Ha- yeah, what happened? Well, it, you're in a transformation still right now, right? You've just because I listened to the very yeah. last episode you published, and you've just uh-huh. stopped your career in, in mm-hmm. education, right? Mm-hmm. And congratulations on that Thank achievement, you. that that step forward. Well, the third stage of our dreaming, which could happen uh, occur somewhere in the midpoint of whatever your natural sleep stage is. This is a psychological. It's from my hypnotherapeutic training. Um, We have three stages of dreaming. Um, So if you sleep six hours, then it might start at about three hours in. If you sleep eight hours, it might start at four hours in and whatever the habit is. But the last stage of dreaming, and they will be top of mind, top of awareness, because you're about to come out of sleep. Either you'll wake up at five with it or it'll wake you up in the morning. Any of that. But those vivid and and emotionally charged dreams are venting dreams. Mm -hmm. And so the way, basically, the way that trauma or anything that is out of alignment comes into us. It comes into the body by our senses and it needs to leave the same way. Mm-hmm. It needs to be sensed or felt out of us. Otherwise it it loops inside our unconscious or shadow as it's sometimes called. And so dreaming is such a, a it's a, it's a safe way to hallucinate with the senses and release. And so it's just naturally set up and we can enhance it by giving ourselves suggestions and letting ourselves know that it's safe and that I'm open to venting dreams. And so what you're venting out, you can look at the symbols of it, just like we do with any other kind of dream interpretation, but it's about what you've, what you have released. And since you're in a transformation and your, your body, your mind, your spirit knows it, it's like, okay, let's take out this trash. We don't need this anymore. We're done with it. And so, you know, count, count yourself healed and lucky as you're having to also like <laughs> wring yourself out of the, the feeling of it in the morning. Yeah. Kind of like, it's like smelling the trash as you take it out. Of course. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. That makes perfect sense. Yeah. The last dream that I had was so powerfully that mm-hmm. and there was this woman who had encouraged me to buy a pass at the, some sort of it was like a spa, but it was more than that. And each time she took me into a space where there was some sort of treatment, she would tell me something that how it was supposed to be. 
And then when I went to the actual treatment, it was completely the opposite. And I was doing something wrong in it every time. Oh. And, and I got to the end and the last thought was none of this is what I thought it was going to be. Wow. And when I woke up, I immediately had that thought, like I let the sort of movie play back in my head mm -hmm. of what it was and what everything had looked like and felt like and realized it was that it was that process, mm -hmm. that letting go of following what someone else really wanted me to do, even though I knew that it was not the right space for me mm -hmm. and letting it, letting it be okay that this wasn't what I thought it was going to be. And that's all right. And what's so beautiful about the imagery of spa, spa is like a healing place. And so mm -hmm. you have the intention and you, you know, believed you were going into a healing space, mm -hmm. but you couldn't do it correctly. You know, you always did it wrong. And they also were not giving, they weren't forthright and say one thing and expect another. And yeah. And mm -hmm. so that's over with. <laughs> I yeah. just dusted my hands <laughs> for the Thank listeners. You. <laughs> That's great. If it's, if I now processed, I am mm -hmm. thrilled. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. It's great. Uh, as you were telling your story, one of the other things I thought was so interesting is that those of us who come to light work or spirit mm -hmm. or however it is that you conceptualize it for yourself, it very often starts with empath. Yeah. Right. With mm -hmm. having that connection. I remember being eight years old and being on the front of a boat as we were, I was with my family. We were leaving our cottage, which was on an Island and we were headed toward the mainland. And I was overcome with this sense of dread mm -hmm. and I couldn't understand it because I thought I am in my favorite place with all of the people who make me feel safe. Why am I feeling this sense of dread? And that happened multiple times. And I quite honestly can't remember where the word empath came to me from. But at what at some point, I just knew that I was feeling other people's emotions, mm -hmm. because yeah. they weren't they weren't mine. Mm -hmm. And that also opened the door to me to other to a, a lot of other things. And um, I was always very aware, like I can see spirits around mm -hmm. me mm -hmm. and I was talking to my mom about it and a friend of hers and their response was, well, are you really sure that's what you're seeing? Like, maybe, maybe you need to talk to someone mm -hmm. um, because it also was sort of early on at the beginning of puberty and they thought that it was hormonal and I was going through these sort of things. And it was those messages of this can't, this is something that's not right. Yeah. That was the beginning of pushing it down and always knowing, like always knowing that it was there and that it was an important part of who I was, but I was so afraid yeah. of letting anyone else see that because I had been given the messages that it was not the right way to be in the world. I, Understand that because I have so many. Okay, so I have clients and students. Let's say students mostly because they come to the spiritual development programs, mm -hmm. and it's honestly either it's like split people who have that. I had to push it down, and then other people who are like, "Well, I've never had that experience, so mm -hmm. I doubt I'm psychic or whatever." And in fact, I think that everyone actually does have that experience as a child. Children are just open, mm -hmm. but it may be either it does, you know, you, you start to close it down a little bit earlier because you have to focus on the world. You know what I mean? And so those things become deprioritized. We're told that's just your imagination. If you're playing with unicorns in the backyard and it's time to put on your shoes and go to church or grandma's house or school, school's the worst with the cold classroom with the fluorescent yeah. lights for me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> That's the trauma I have to vent out still. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and then some people who, you know, maybe it still, you know, or was somehow still uh, around during the teenage years or something. And then, uh, you know, people are afraid of it, but I have, how I help my, how I help students in either case, first of all, if you think you aren't psychic, it's a natural thing. Or if you think that you aren't connected mm -hmm. to spirit, it's a natural thing, but we can, because we have free will, close it down. Thank goodness too, because we we don't want it online all the time. We do have this world we have to function in. And for the other people who maybe received message that they were, you know, maybe there was something wrong with them. 
I have training in mind-body psychology. I have many hours of studying DSM-5. I'm not a diagnostician, but I the reason I have all this training is to be able to know when someone is out of scope for me, mm -hmm. to know that I can't work with them because they do have a mental disorder. And there is a stark difference between a mental disorder that includes hallucinations yeah. and a normal person who is having a spiritual period, I'm sorry, normal, but you know what I mean? A non-mentally mm -hmm. ill, a, a mentally stable person and a well person, mentally well person mm -hmm. who's having a spiritual experience. And there is a big difference. And unfortunately, mm -hmm. parents and caregivers don't know that. And that's the, that's the big, it's a, it's a big fat line. It's not even a blurry line. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. No, <laughs> you are very right about that. Yeah. Yeah. And I was grateful to be able to have that language so that when my oldest son was 11, he was in the sixth grade and he also started presenting and he, he felt very distressed because mm -hmm. he didn't understand why he was mm -hmm. having all of these feelings, but mm -hmm. to be able to give him that language of you are an empath and you are feeling other people's emotions. And these are some of the ways that you can process that. And some of the ways that you can protect yourself mm -hmm. to be able to have that conversation with him at such an early age so that he didn't have to feel like he was other or That's that wonderful. it was wrong was um was a it was a healing moment for me and this is people parents like you who are raising their children with this awareness i mean this is a marker of the times that we're in because yeah i mean mm -hmm. for many reasons the nature or the nurture or it's both but the parents that i know who are able to help their children retain some spiritual sovereignty and clarity and you know, keep those, even if they, a lot of us will put it aside for a while in order to be able to commit to this world and this human race, but it might, but he, if he, if he is empathic, highly sensitive, that is a part of it, no matter what, you can't put that away. That's one mm -hmm. of the things you can't put away. You can turn off your mediumship. You can, you know, turn down the psychic skills or turn them off, but you can't turn off something like uh, that empathic nature. You, uh -huh. in the, if you are looking at your human design chart, anyone, 50% of the population have an open emotional solar plexus and therefore are just empaths. Like you feel other people's emotions as though they are your own and you can't do anything about it except develop some skills of, oh, that's probably not mine. Is that mine? And then, uh -huh. you know, but you will, it will still, it's not something you can turn off. So the people that are raising their children with this awareness it's very exciting and mm -hmm. it is very hopeful and very helpful for, you know, where we are because we are in the age of consciousness now and people call us, you know, call it also the ascension. We are ascending. We're on this path of ascending. And, you know, we had the age, the industrial age, we had the information age. We're still there, but where, where we're going and we are starting is the consciousness age. Mm -hmm. Now, along the way there, the, you know, there was a, a commoditization around industry. Then there's a commoditization around our information and our data and how we are being, you know, and I'm not a conspiracy theorist at all. In fact, I try to <laughs> detox people of that. I'm looking at it clearly and soberly. Mm -hmm. yes. And where we are now is, you know, they have our information, mm -hmm. <laughs> the they, I mean, or the people who are making the most money off of our information. Mm -hmm. and, and I'm not calling them all evil. It's just how we collectively develop capitalism mm -hmm. and collectively, I'm, you know, I'm a part of it. I am on Facebook and mm -hmm. I do buy from Amazon <laughs> and they are the ones with our data, <laughs> the two big ones who have our data. <laughs> yep. Anyway, the point is I'm not, I'm not blaming and I'm not like saying, I think it's, it's, we all created this. But now we need to be aware of the commoditization of our consciousness and our consciousness is our greatest strength. And it is the reason we are all here is to expand our consciousness because the expansion of our consciousness is the expansion of the universe. And that is a scientific, accurate, um, uh, you know, fact that the universe is expanding. Mm -hmm. It is. Yes. And that's part, we are part of that. We're not the only reason that it's expanding, but we are a big part of it. And so that's what we're here to do. And that's why it feels so good to transform and to have things like awakenings, even mm -hmm. inside a relationship. Oh my gosh, this is a narcissistically abusive relationship. I need to awaken and get out of it, which I've had <laughs> a mm -hmm. few of those as I shared. Yeah. And 
so that's where we are. But the so wonderful that people are parenting the way that you are parenting. And thank you for that. Well, thank you. And I like the way that you shined the light of hope mm-hmm. on the time that we're living in. Mm-hmm. And I, I agree with you. Sometimes, you know, there's the adage, it's always darkest before the dawn, right? And, but this time for people who haven't necessarily had an awakening or who haven't um, really connected in and started listening to their own internal voice, because I agree with you, I think that everybody has the capacity to turn, tune into their inner voice and listen Mm -hmm. to source spirit, however it is that it comes to you. Um, but it feels right now really, really turbulent, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> as it does in times of great change. You know, as you were talking about the different evolutions in history, mm-hmm. the Industrial Revolution, that was a turbulent time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? The beginning of the information age, again, another turbulent time. And so we always feel like we're living through something that we've never lived before. (laughs) And while that's true in some ways, there also is, there also is pattern that exists. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It's just like our own personal healing, new level, Mm -hmm. same devil. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) It's so true though. Well, and now, so the markers of the, of the consciousness age is AI Mm -hmm. and what, and the metaverse will be, you know, coming online and some that sort of delayed with with ai but that those are just two tiny pieces but you know in the information age it was the dot com you know and yeah and then at the industrial age it was the factories and you know that so yeah it's uh but it is it's yeah it's the same thing but we are expanding it is it is in a way in in the same way that when we're healing if we're in a pattern if we're in a chronic looping pattern then it's kind of like, well, I like, for example, I dated the same jerk again. It's like, it's barely even different Mm -hmm. than the last guy. If we're in the same, if there's nothing that has changed, but if we do some healing, then we start dating a new person. It's not perfect, but it's better. And the challenges are, oh, similar, but I'm better at it. And they listen to me and, you know, all the things, you know, that's where we are. So it is, it's exciting and exhilarating, but I don't know, in a way, I'm not sure if the stakes are higher or if it just feels like it because we're on the cutting edge of the healed and vulnerable space that we are. (laughs) Mm -hmm. The healed and vulnerable space. I think that's a really important way to frame this time for people, Mm -hmm. especially when they're just sort of starting to come to it. You know, when you're having that feeling of there is something afoot here, Mm -hmm. there is some sort of something that I'm becoming aware of that maybe I did always know was there, but was unwilling or Mm -hmm. wasn't ready for in that time. And one of the things that I think is interesting is for me, when people ask me, well, how did you know, or how do you experience it? For a long time, I always just thought everybody experienced the world and spirit and source in the same way, because I had, yeah, I had just always Mm -hmm. had, I had always been that way for me. And as I started describing things to people and they did the like head tilt, I was, I realized, oh, Okay, maybe not everybody had the same experience that I did. So Mm -hmm. I'm interested in what it feels. So when you are doing intuitive sessions, Mm -hmm. how did what does it feel like for you? Mm, What a cool question. And I I, same thing. Like I didn't, the first time I had that animal communication session, I didn't realize that was a thing that wasn't, you know, that was a category or was something I just assumed people didn't like animals when they didn't listen to what they said. Right. Mm hmm. (laughs) telepathically, you know, I just like, yeah. oh, I don't really care about animals and that's fine, you know, to each his own. What does it feel like when I'm doing my intuitive work? Well, um, so I set the stage where I clear, I, I kind of do a conscious clearing or, or polishing of the mirror of my consciousness so mm-hmm. that I'm, I'm completely an open uh, vessel and, you know, a clear channel so that I'm open and also the intention is so i'm clear but at the same time only allowing to come through me that which is in the highest good for the other person so it's this it's just this um this state of awareness that i kind of anchor in but there's you know without thought but i kind of do some kind of and that's where i set the stage and so then as i clear then 
and then come into the state. And then I actually hook into the heart with permission, only ever always 100% ethics, what I teach. You can turn it off and you do not, you are not permitted, permitted to go into someone else. Any, you could hack into a bank account if you're, if you're good at that. Doesn't mean you should, you know, Uh so same thing. Um, Anyway, I connect with their heart. And so I really have the sense that while I'm connected to this person where they are, we're also pulling from way, way, way the higher worlds of them, that which is, um, you know, their guidance. And so it comes, what it feels like is a sense, um, um, most dominantly what we call clairsentient. It comes in through my sensor, my, um, really my body, but it, it does also show up as images or movies in the mind and, and speech in my inner ear, thought, you know, messages. And so it just feels like holding a lot of healing energy, a mm-hmm. lot of healing energy and letting and and projecting that out for someone else, letting them come and stand in that. And then I'm interpreting the energies with words and also just, you know, there's, there's more subtle, a lot more subtle coming through in the words and a lot more subtle coming through in the frequencies basically of the space. So, um, I've been doing it for such a time now that I don't, I don't, I don't know. I don't doubt anything when I'm in the space and Mm -hmm. I also have amnesia afterward. It's because when you alter your awareness, I don't really remember things from sessions. So, um, I, it's a, it's a, it's trusting, but it's vulnerable to love, which is the only thing we've ever wanted to be. Mm -hmm. And, you know, just, so it, it kind of, it helps people to, it brings them to that place of healing that they want to be in it's validating for them because they'll hear things about themselves that they they want to believe want to give themselves permission to believe and mm-hmm. then it also brings them in my, in my estimate it pushes them to their edge so that some things kind of like have to take their time so it's very potent mm-hmm. and most of my clients listen to their they rewatch or re-listen to their sessions um, many many times one person I gave her a session in 2016 and she listens to it at least once a year still. Mm, And it's amazing. Mm -hmm. It's really incredible because there were so many things in that session that she was like, I don't get, I don't know. I don't, you know, and it took like five years and then they all started to show up that way in a way that's exciting and beautiful for her. So Mm -hmm. anyway, did I Mm -hmm. describe what it feels like? It feels like just being a vessel of, light (laughs) i don't know is that that's what i'm just looking inward at myself and that's what it feels like i just become a vessel of light and project that out Mm -hmm. and uh trust it It, it's like um it's a solution it's a it's a solution of light if you think about well we i want to resolve something resolve i want to bring it back into a solution um and so think of liken this the the light or the spirit energy to um a base of liquids that if you put something in it, it will alchemize the bad parts and bring it out shiny and new. That's a really beautiful way of um, bringing a visualization to that. Okay, good. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you for that. And maybe you could do a little demonstration. So you had offered earlier to do a reading for me. Sure. So maybe we could do that. So Mm -hmm. people get a sense of what it, of what it feels like as they're listening. Sure thing. Would you be open if, uh, if, if there was a channeled a portion to it? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Um, and uh, what, uh, what area, just to make it on the, on the uh, mini side, what area are you interested in looking at? Or is I, anything you would like some guidance on? Yeah. So I have a very fledgling new business. So okay. I would love some guidance in that area. Okay. So I start off by tapping into the, to the energy field. And Lisa, do I have permission to um, access your heart space? You do. Okay. Thank you so much. And if you want to just allow your eyes to close for a second and take one nice cleansing, slow and easy breath as you do, you can visualize or imagine that your heart is opening like a lotus flower to the sun. Yes, very good. And just visualize, imagine or sense that sun bathing the inside of that lotus flower. Yes, wonderful. And the connection of that sunbeam really allowing it to release its aroma its beauty. And there's a deep and sacred romance between this flower and the sun. All is right between the two because of their resonance, the flower and the sun. And so I step into this space. You can leave your eyes open or close, whatever you prefer. 
And so I am drawn to the throat and actually the higher throat. So where I'm drawn first, Lisa, is that the throat has been quite activated and healed at the base of it. But then there's this sense up around. Honestly, it's more on my right ear and that right ear chakra. And as I feel into it, so because the ear and the throat chakras are connected, the ears are really a, a subset of the throat. And so there's a dark spot. There's a patch there. It actually presents almost like mold. So I feel like something there, like there was a rock that was lifted. And so um, there's something that is drying out. There's something that is um, receiving light and receiving the purification. And so when we're talking about the ears, this means something that you have heard that had to be put away, had to be hidden. And now the throat is actually supporting that, giving it its support from underneath. And then thank you. So they're telling me, we, we want you to, as you already are, but we want you to kick it up into your practice, the things which you are listening to. We ask you to actually bring it into your awareness for at this time, as you are one who appreciates and, and, re, and um, values ritual, we ask you to add an hour to what it is that you are doing now to receive fresh information through the ear chakras, fresh and encouraging. And when we say this encouraging, because it goes into the ears, down past the heart and into, down past the throat, into the heart, into this heart center that we've already brought illumination to. Encouraged is this root word of cur, of being in the core, in the heart of you. So we ask for you to clear the pathways from the ears down to the heart in a way that will be a sacred practice to stimulate the self-love because it is your self-love that causes the blooming of the garden of your business. Now, your business is going to start on a sustainable path. You said it is, I believe you used the word fledgling, but we say that it is sustainable. It is being kind to you as you are kind to it. You are building your strength and your resilience in a way that is sustainable. And it is a very healthy growth that is occurring here. The fields lay fallow for two years before this occurred, and now they are ready, they are primed, and they have received their, their fertilization, and they are receiving the light. And we ask you to enhance this light because you are one with a very important mission. You have gathered upon your path. All of the things that have come before have now uh, become these um, where they were burdens before. Now you've dropped them and you are now standing with the strength of having put down those burdens in the past. But you have come out of it with all of the strength of having carried that. You see, you see yourself, if you will, we ask you to see yourself as one who is extremely strong. It's as if you looked in the mirror before and you saw some kind of uh, bloated or, or um, oversized person before you. But in fact, when you cast off that which was giving you that sense of bloat, of heaviness, and you have cast it off, you now see a strong, resilient, passionate, and very capable warrior in the light. And this is what we would like to bring to your awareness, because we would like for you to look into past lives, if you will, of being a warrior guide and doing this in a way that was successful and venerable, because you've had very um, strong experiences in past lives that where you did accomplish and ended a life in glory. And these are things that sometimes people forget to draw upon the past lives that are positive, because these are very important for you. And this is where you start now. You start on this positive warrior path for yourself. We also ask you to add in the activism even more because this is on your heart and it is something that you have a talent for. You have a keen eye for this. And so your business, as you have come to ask about it, is we bring to you the message of how you nurture it from within. And then we just ask you to continue with the courage, the encouragement of letting others know where it is that they can find you, letting them, uh, putting out your sign, if you will on your brick and mortar, your virtual brick and mortar, and welcoming them in. Even if you feel as though you're not ready at some point, we say that when someone shows up, you are ready. That is the message of it. And you bring that vulnerable and authentic, authentic self to it, and the heart comes up and, um, and is able to set the space for the healing and the giving that you are able to pull, pull, pour forward. Love yourself into that place. And so I'm coming back now to be a little bit clearer so the business is, is percolating right now. And so every single moment, nurture it like it's an infant. 
Mm. The who is growing strong with every moment, but they're giving me this three month period, which is not very long, three month period of uh, where there's going to be like an up leveling that is going to be significant. And then in six months, another marker that is really powerful and strong. But you need the down, in a sense, you need the downtime for the transition. Mm-hmm. So that's what's happening yeah. to sum it up. <laughs> that's very beautiful. Thank you. Mm-hmm. And when You're I'm welcome. working, when I work with clients, I always say it feels so resonant because mm-hmm. you already know it. Yes. Yeah. And it's just someone who's presenting it to you. So it's like the evidence that our very human, mm-hmm. our human brain and our human experience has this need for evidence. And so when someone else presents it to you, it feels like that evidence of what we already know. So mm-hmm. thank you. You're welcome. And um, in, in that message, because I work with the Archangelic realm, we had, um, the, uh, I felt Raphael very forward, who is the healing angel and Gabriel mm-hmm. too, which is the angel of expression and creativity and also the element of water. So mm-hmm. um, just as the archetypes that are ministering to you and working with you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that all makes very clear sense to me. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yeah. I can't believe it. We've, it's been an hour. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much. This mm-hmm. was such a powerful conversation. Yeah. I hope that people who listen are able to hear mm-hmm. all of this with their hearts mm-hmm. and take a minute and think about what ritual they need to develop in their own lives so that they can start to connect to that inner voice and be able to see the hope in the turbulence because mm-hmm. that is uh, that's where our power lies in moving yeah. forward. Mm. Thank you so much for having me, Lisa. And thank you, everyone. Thank you. Introducing the Deep Leadership Podcast. Leadership is a people business. That's the philosophy of your podcast host, John Rennie. As a former submarine officer who spent 22 years leading businesses in corporate America before starting his own manufacturing business, he knows that leadership matters. Leadership matters. Deep Leadership is real-world, actionable leadership advice from John and his expert guests. Become a leader worth following. Subscribe today. Electric acid. Hey there, fabulous souls. I'm Stephanie Baklaan. And I'm Eden Alpert. And we're the hosts of the brand new podcast, Unapologetically Fab. Get ready to join us on an amazing and real journey as we dive into life after 40 and own it. We're all about changing the narrative, leaning into who you are, and living a life by your own design. Join us as we embrace life unapologetically and redefine success. This is Unapologetically Fab, an electric cast production. See you there. Electric acid.